Welcome to the Mile High Church Podcast. Spiritual classes are an important tradition here at Mile High, and if you are interested, we encourage you to learn more at milehighchurch.org. What a joy to be together. Oh, my Lord, what a joy. I see so many of you here. I also acknowledge and welcome those of you who are watching uh, in your homes or at a distance because one of the benefits of this COVID experience for Mile High is that it has uh, created an audience throughout our nation and world. And so we welcome you wherever you are. But it's so good to be back with you here. Oh, yeah. And I, I see uh, that many of you are back in your self-appointed seats. <laughs> Bev and Ken, Ron and Linda... Yulon back there, just exactly where I would expect you to be, all of you, I love it. I know some of you have carved your initials on the chairs, and there's no call for that, no call for that. But love and blessings to you all, and thank you. Uh, I just want to heap praises upon uh, Dr. Michelle, Reverend Josh, the entire ministerial team, the board of trustees, the practitioners, our impeccable musicians and technical teams who have kept Mile High Church so strong, so vibrant, so effective during this year and a half. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's a joy. And happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Some kids were asked, what is a father? And one of them said, a person who coaches your baseball game when he's not the coach. <laughs> Another one says, he, he's, he's, he's the guy who says, when I was your age. And one of them said, you go to a father when you're in a spot. He gives you some advice. And sometimes it gets you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> ah, but I love one little girl. She said, he does not love you because you're pretty or tall or small. He loves you because you're you. God bless my father. I love that. Remember when you were in school, especially when you were little, and the bell rang at the end of the day and the doors flew open and hordes of screaming kids in glee ushered out of the place and you found your favorite friend or friends and you walked each other home. That's my message topic for you today, walking each other home. Well, I don't know about you, but it was a desolate feeling if you had to walk alone. But it was such a beautiful experience to walk each other home. I want to suggest to you that that's why we are here on this planet at this particular time. Oh yeah, I know, you and I, we've all got our goals and our unique dreams and agenda in this life. And there is an overarching purpose. We're here to walk each other home along the pathways of our soul journeys. There's no aspect of life more powerful or impactful than relationships relationships. Now, ideally, our relationships are beautiful and joyous, and yet at times they can be challenging. At times they can be glorious. At times they can be very difficult. At times they're simple. At times they're complex. But one thing's absolutely for sure, that our relationships are the greatest personal catalyst for our growth. And we're all growing through and in our relationships together, even the most difficult or troubled ones. 
Okay? So today as we explore and have a focus on one of our primary relationships that with our fathers, I want to talk a little bit about that and also about all relationships and how we can grow within them most powerfully. Because indeed, I'm clear that all relationships are about walking each other home. Walking each other home. Now, this is especially true in the parent-child relationship. And uh, it can be a very challenging, challenging role. Uh, Somerset Mom, he said, there are three rules to writing the novel. Trouble is no one knows what they are. <laughs> and I kind of feel that way about parenting. It's like the bright young teacher he decided to create a class, and he called it Ten Commandments for Parents. And parents came from all around, hungry, scared parents, to, to find out about these. Well, this young man wasn't married and didn't have kids, but then he met the love of his life, and he did eventually have a child, and he changed the title to Five Suggestions uh, for <laughs> Parents. And then along the way, the blessing of a second child came along, and he retitled it again as three little hints for parents. And then the blessing of the third child came along, and he didn't do the workshop at all anymore. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yes. You know, um, it's an interesting thing with parents. You know, sometimes parents can feel like their old stuff comes up in the midst of parenting. All the unhealed, unevolved stuff, just sometimes apparently out of nowhere, comes along. But you know, the blessing of that is at least it serves us to be allowed to work it through. And in that regard, all of our kids are teachers to us, aren't they? For sure they are. I made a vow when I became a parent, and it was actually a prayer. My prayer was, may I be loving and capable enough to make a difference in the lives of our boys. And may I be wise enough to minimize the damage that I might do. I don't know how that's quite turned out, but here's one thing I know. And that is that in any significant relationship, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be stuff that happens. And I mean, how else are we going to keep the therapist in business? For crying out loud. But we all get to work through that in our lives. I'm pretty clear that uh, some people see kids as possessions. Possessions to dominate, possessions to control, and most especially as clay they get to mold. The challenge is, is that many parents mold their children in ways that meet their own unmet or unfulfilled needs and dreams. And yet, our kids are here for something more than that. Khalil Gibran in his classic work, The Prophet, I used to teach classes on this wonderful work, uh, he he sets us straight pretty well with some excerpts from his essay on children. He said, your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, they belong not to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own 
thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls. For their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them like you. For life goes not backward, nor tarries with yesterday. And so the image we get out of that is rather than dominant parents and subjugated children, parents and children are partners in becoming, partners in growth, souls that incarnated together to learn together, grow together, to fall down and lift each other up together, to remind one another of who we are beyond the facades that we put on, indeed to walk each other home. It was in 1987, and I, it was my turn on that Sunday as associate minister to give the Sunday message. And I was greeting afterward um, on the doors of the center, the vote center over here, um, on the westerly doors. Dr. Fred vote was uh, on the easterly doors with greeting line. And then all of a sudden it happened. I turned around, and there she was, my beloved Erica. And in that moment, it was the most compelling thing. I revisit it so constantly. It was one of those supernal moments where I knew something more than I could even figure out. That here was somebody that was so special to me in my soul. And, and as I met her, part of me said, oh God, I want to get to know her better. How can I do that? I mean, I didn't want to come across as one of those ministers. <laughs> so, so had to be really masterful and clever. But finally, I did get to meet her and, and get to know her better, and I fell in love. And in 1988, we were married, and I adopted our boys. And I love my boys. And I would never have wished for them to lose their natural father to leukemia several years earlier. But what a privilege and a gift it has been to have entered their lives at that early age, five years old and eight years old, and to have been a part of it. And I'm really also very clear that it was a mutual growth experience because they taught me so much, and they still do. And, and I find new ways in those relationships to, to continue to heal, to continue to open my heart, and to continue to explore what it means uh, to love them. And I love my boys, and I love my wife. And, uh, of course, there was that time in their teen years when I went from hero to dork. Um, that just taught me to explore new ways and dimensions of loving. And now uh, they're well into their adulthood, and they've given us five phenomenal, the best grandkids, by the way, and uh, new dimensions of loving. And I always love the honesty of Mark Twain when he said, um, let me get it here. He said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. When I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. <laughs> could, certainly, <laughs> could certainly relate. You know, um, on this Father's Day, my own dad, royalty, my own dad uh, is so much in my awareness uh, and in my heart. You know, he left his body and passed into the greater dimensions of life almost 35 years ago. And um, he was a great guy. 
And he didn't always know how to show that he cared. Didn't always know how to get close, you know. Um, And yet he did care. He most definitely cared. He just didn't always know how to to let up and relax, you know. That's just who he was. He was something of a perfectionist. Um, And he struggled a lot with certain things in his life. He struggled. And yet what I know is that he loved me. He didn't always understand me, and yet he loved me. And uh, so I, I hold him this day in, in my heart with gratitude and with compassion. And, and then another father energy entered my life in my mid-teens, Dr. Fred Vogt. Again, the man who preceded me as senior minister during my stint and for whom that building next door is named. And he just took me under his wing. He gave me so many gifts and so much support. He, he helped me understand this something within me that became my calling into the ministry. And uh, he taught me of the ministerial heart. And he inducted me into that. And he would, he would call me his son in the ministry. And he was definitely my father in the ministry. You know, sometimes father energy shows up in our lives in so many interesting and profound ways. And I'm grateful for my dad and Fred, and I'm grateful, and I miss them. Yeah, I miss them both so very much. It's so clear to me that in all these interesting relationships, yours and mine, we're here to walk each other home. Now, there are guideposts on any significant journey, anything that we would do, and there are guideposts for walking each other home, and I want to leave you with those. And the first one is, be there for each other. Never underestimate the power of your compassionate presence. I learned early on in the ministry that there were times, which isn't easy for a minister, to have fewer words and greater presence times when I was sitting with somebody about to take the great journey into the greater life to leave their bodies, sitting with grieving families, being with people who had horrific losses or breakdowns in some area of their life. And I realized, you know, the great gift is just be there. I've had people call me on the phone and say, I've got to go into this complex situation or these hurting people. What do I say? And I would say, very simple, just say this, I love you, and then just be there. Never underestimate the power of your compassionate presence. The uh, Olympic trials are happening in our country right now and uh, in preparation for the 2022 Olympics in Japan. And uh, we, we uh, watched a few of them because one of Erica's very close friends, her daughter Jenny Simpson, uh, has done a lot in, in running and uh, came in second in the 1500 mile. At any rate, I I was remembering then the 1992 Olympics, uh, and there was a 1,500-mile sprint for men, and an Englishman named Derek Redman was doing pretty well in this race until he popped his hamstring, which means that he pulled it right off the bone, which is a horrifically painful injury. It ended the race for him, for sure, but he laid there wanting, in agony nonetheless, to at least hop over the finish line. And so he he tried to get to his knees with one agonizing hop, 
uh, and, and fell down. And then a man runs down from the grandstand. And he pushes away security and he runs out there and he lifts up his son. And he helps him hobble across the finish line. That guidepost. Be there for each other. You'll leave here today and you'll probably have an opportunity to be there for someone. Yeah. Help them walk home. Help them walk home. Second guidepost. Decide to forgive. We carry so much baggage around in life. We rehash so much from the past, usually, sadly enough. It's not just the glories and beauties, but it's often accentuated by the pain and the sense of wounds and things that happen to us or that our own unskilled behaviors. And we tether ourselves. And inadvertently, we close our hearts to our great power. Ultimately, there comes a time when we can revisit those experiences and rather than being imprisoned by them, we can realize that though it wasn't great that it happened and it hurt, it does not contain us if we say it doesn't. And it does not diminish us unless we give it that power. And that our souls are able to reveal more of our spiritual nature through any wounding. I have written in my book about a horrendously painful betrayal in my own life that actually became a gift that allowed me to open my heart even more and changed everything in my life. And that can happen for every one of us. When we decide, I'm not going to be a walking story of past pain anymore. I'm going to decide to forgive. I'm going to pray for support and forgiving. And I'm going to free myself on the path as we walk each other. We've got to do a lot of forgiving. Because we do bump into one another a lot, right? But we can forgive. About 20 years ago, at least, I worked with a young man in his early 30s named Eric. He had just become a father for the first time. And he came to me, and I thought it was pretty courageous of him. He said, because I have so much upset with my own father, and i got to work it through because I don't want that to get into my son. I don't want that to affect me. And so we started, we started some spiritual counseling support, and we, we met every two to three weeks for almost a year, I'm pretty sure. And he started just getting into it. And at times he was, I hate him. He did this and he did this and he had a laundry list. It was very long and I just listened. And he went through that. And uh, at one point I just was guided to tell him, you know, Eric, I, I invite you to do a little more digging and research into your dad's early life. And he did that. And it was eye-opening to him. He called many, many relatives and he got all this information and he, he came to realize that his own father had experienced a lot of woundings and had a really tough go of it. And there was nobody around his father to help him through all of that, to help him transmute that into his strength. And so he just brought that into his fathering. And that was an eye-opening for Eric. I began to see glints of a sense of compassion and and for his dad. And then on the heels of that, he began to honestly admit that there were some very strong points in his dad. And he had done some very good things, not only for himself, but for the family, along with the other unskilled behavior that he was angry about. So he began to balance the scales more lovingly and objectively. And I, I began to see him healing at depth and forgiving. 
And I knew he was out of the woods entirely when a few days prior to that Father's Day, he wrote something to his father that I want to share with you. It's called To My Father. Did you feel left out when the world sent you, still a tender little boy inside, out to work where you could not hold your baby's soft body against your heart? Did you feel invisible when we acknowledged you mostly for the money you brought home? Did you feel cheated when you came home and tried to enjoy being with the children who'd been told for hours, just wait till your father gets home? Did you wonder if it would ever be your turn to be special again? Well, Dad, it's your turn today. Thank you for the hundreds of times you went to work when you didn't want to. Thanks for having the strength to say no from your integrity and your love when you so much wanted to cave in and say yes. Thanks for the times when your insensitive teenager thought you were slow, ignorant, or irrelevant, and you didn't commit murder. <laughs> for the times mom did not shower you with love at night because she just spent a whole day with the kids. Thank you, Dad, for being just the kind of father I needed in order to learn the lessons I'm here to learn. Happy Father's Day. I love you. Take the journey of realization and decide to forgive. And as we walk our way along with each other, there's another guidepost message. Deepen your ultimate relationship. And that ultimate relationship is with that which Yeshua, Jesus, called the Father within. He had such an adoring relationship with the fathering energy of the universe. And, and this fathering energy was more than a masculine or a gender thing. It was, it was that creative spirit that he knew was so passionate and so loving. And I invite us into a deeper sense of that. As I've had a little less to do in the challenges of being senior minister, I felt my own self putting down deeper roots into the love and the power and the presence, the mighty presence of the living spirit. That's gonna, that helps me. And it helps me help others as well. You know, silly kindergarten religion has tried to convince people to fear their God. To tell them the horrendous idea that their God is actually basically wrathful, angry, allowed us to be created in original sin, and is ready to judge us and probably harshly, and if necessary, send us his expressions, his children, into an eternal and fiery torture. So very sad. So very sad. When the great teacher said, no, Jesus came along and said, no, it's a love that will not let you go. I, will, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Sadly, in my humble estimation, much of Christianity um, has betrayed the true message of Jesus. He gave us perhaps the greatest story ever told to give us a sense of the unconditional love of our source. It's the, the prodigal who in his egotism and his brashness as a youth said, give me my inheritance, Dad, and I'm out of here. And so he left. 
and he lived it up in riotous living until he lost it all. And then he sank into greater deprivation and suffering until he could hardly walk and he was miserable and he thought to himself, I've screwed it all up. I could have been back there with my father. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to crawl home and maybe I'll just plead to have him take me back as a servant. He could not love me by what I've done. And so he got up and he hobbled home. And on the other end of the spectrum, his dad probably daily went to a hillside and looked over the vista just hoping to see his son out there somewhere. And then there was that day when he saw a speck out there. And he watched it and it got closer and he realized, that's my son. And he rushed over to meet him. And he grabbed his child, filthy and crying and sobbing and pleading to be taken in as a servant. And he didn't hear any of it. He just said to a servant, get me the seamless robe, a symbol of unity. Get me a ring for his finger because he's royal, just as we all are. And prepare the feast because my child who was lost, is found. Now that's what the great teacher wanted us to know. That love that will not let you go, no matter what has ever transpired in your life, and can empower you so that you feel that kind of love that allows you then to take another person's hand and help them along, that allows you to see the face of God in another, even when they've been unskilled in their expression, or they've fallen down. Yeah, deepen your ultimate relationship. And one final guidepost. Having done all that, then practice the soul touch. You may not have known you have this ability, but you have the ability to touch a soul. You, have, you don't have to have theological training. You don't have to have any degrees of any kind. You don't have to have any of what people think is all that important. You just have to have love. And you have to have the vision to be able to see beyond the stuff we all express in our humanness and to remind another person, I know who you are, really. We're brothers and sisters. You're you're a child of God. You're a luminous light being. That's who you are. And that's all I can see. And you touch a soul. I close with a wonderful story about a father who had a little tradition going. He had two daughters, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. He started the tradition with his older daughter of taking her out every so often for a date time, and they'd do fun things together. And he thought when his younger daughter became two, it's time to bring her into this tradition. And so their first date time was breakfast at a pancake house. And so they'd gotten their pancakes, and uh, as they sat down, the dad thought, well, this would be a great opportunity to tell my beautiful daughter how much I love and appreciate her. So he said, Jenny, you know, I love you, honey, so much. So much. You're so wonderful. Mom and I prayed for you for so long. And now you're with us. And we're so proud of you. And we love you. And so he reached for his fork and he started to carve out a bite of pancake. And he felt this soft little hand on his hand. And he heard the soft little voice say, more, daddy, more. And so he put the fork down and he told her more about how unique and precious and wonderful she is. And he tried to take a third bite, or a, and, and, but he put, had to put it down. More, Daddy, more, three or four times. He didn't eat much that breakfast, <laughs> but his precious daughter was nurtured and nourished deeply. So much so that a couple of days later she came skipping over to her mom and said, You know, Mommy, I'm a very special daughter, Daddy told me so. 
He touched her soul. Whose soul might you touch? See, really, that's what we're here for. We're not here to separate from people, to cast them out, to judge them. We're here to see something bigger in ourselves first so that we can then see it in another. And our world needs this, doesn't it, gang? I mean, we've gotten to be, sadly enough, somewhat of a vicious culture, demonizing one another, hating so vocally and publicly. And yet we're all spiritual leaders here. I ordain you. You're a spiritual leader here to go out and see a bigger story in yourself and in another. May we join hands and walk each other home. Let's have a prayer together. On this beautiful, beautiful Father's Day, we tap into the spirit of the heart in any parent, a mother, a father, or even someone without children, but who knows that they are an avenue, an instrument for the love, the light, the power of the Spirit. Ah, this day we let our hearts get so wide open. And we step out of a past that shrouds us and into a new day where the light that we are is allowed to shine. As we reflect on our own journey and the fathers and the beneficial presences that helped us get back to ourselves, back home to God, back home to our truth. Remember them. And now I invite you to emulate them. Continue their tradition of re-enchanting lives. So I speak the word this day, acknowledging the wholeness of mind, body, spirit, and emotions for each and every one of us here, all who are watching. Knowing that we're endowed, spiritually endowed with the greatness and the glory and the light that can pierce any darkness. And that indeed we Embrace, may we embrace the joy of being an avenue for the Spirit and the simple, humble, childlike practice of remembering I'm here to walk another home. Anybody will take my hand. So I speak the word for the power and the love of your heart to continue to open and to bless you. May we together pray for our country and our world that the compassion, the love, the unity in which we are grounded can become an experienced reality and we walk the way, being the change we seek to see in our world. So what a beautiful time to announce, pronounce, and exclaim the glory of God in us all for this and all the wonderful works that unfold, I give great, great thanks. Thank you, God. Thank you, Spirit. And we just allow this to sink in and be so with such gratitude. And as we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. To make a donation, please visit milehighchurch.org.